Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome to another edition of the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zatke, along with the Polish pipe. I'm Jeff Verlaski. What's happening, Steve? How's my voice? Uh, it's a little shaky today. You know, I know you're uh, a little bit under the weather. In in South, or I, actually, I should probably say the Upper Midwest. It's probably easier to say who's not sick. Yeah, you know, so far I'm hanging in there, but uh, as long as you don't have the Corona, you're good with me. Don't think I have that, but uh, it is upper respiratory, minus the fever, though. All right. So if you have a fever and you have a respiratory issue, then you should go see the doctor. Well, the corona. The corona. Too many big weekends in a row for you, you I know, wish. partying I like a rock star. I haven't gotten anything done in probably nine days now. I just go to work. I just go to work, come home. And then sit on the recliner. Yeah. You know, so in that mode. As, as as I'm sure a lot of other people are, too. You know, you just, you know, it seems like when you were a kid or back when when you would get the flu, you know, they'd had the 24-hour flu. Right. You'd get sick. You'd be wiped off for a day. You'd kind of feel sick. And then you'd be done. It'd be like a two-and-a-half, three-day kind of window. And then you'd be, you know, back to your life. Now it's like you get these colds and, and uh, you know, just respiratory issues and sinus infections that just linger and linger, and you just don't want to let go. Well, it's like uh, it's like a hangover in your 40s. It's, you know, 
10 times worse than, you know, than it was back when you were young and, and partying like a rock star. You drink half as much in your 40s as you did in your early 20s, sure. and uh, and you're down for twice as long. So, you know, what can you do? What can you do? It, uh, got a busy weekend, though. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of cars on the track out in California. Uh, which this, has been better as of late. It has been better, which, you know. You know, we were on this show very, very anti-Fontana for many years, and then the last four, you know, what, four or five races, the, the track has seemed to kind of cure it in and kind of has that age, and, and you got some tire wear, tire drop-off in it. It's been so, more racy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things I really enjoyed about the race in Vegas is, uh, you know, you had cars on completely different strategies. You saw... In the short run last weekend, Kevin Harvick was just straight dominating and would drive, you know, straight to the lead and and take a, a four or five second lead, uh, 30, you know, 25, 30 laps into the run. Now, all of a sudden, he's, you know, dropping back to fourth to fifth because he had a short run car mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of cars were set up for the long runs. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Kevin Harvick and, and Harvick Nation, which I am a part of. Um, is there a card that comes with that? Yeah, I got the commemorative pair of underwear. Oh, okay. So, um, but. Uh, it says Bush. <laughs> on it, right? Of course. Instead of pink, you know, the yeah. girls have the ones that say pink on it. Yeah. This one says Bush. <laughs> You know, but for for Kevin, the uh, the the late caution came too late, and well, uh, and somebody else, you know, well, Blaney, that, well, yeah, I mean, uh, Blaney had uh, that we'll, wrapped we'll, up. We'll 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 talk to Dennis Michelson in in the next segment on this, but you know, twenty cars on the lead lap, it just what happens what happens at the end of these NASCAR races now, calamity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's all just bumper cars. Cars drive into each other, and you know, now nah, I wouldn't pit anymore with a couple laps to go. You know, it's tough. You know, you got Unless certain like tracks. Five cars. You have certain tracks. You have to Atlanta. You have to. Well, there because it's it's so abrasive. But I mean, you, you know, even even then, because a lot of times the, the you know you're you're not going to be able to get that full final lap. Oh, I know, I know. It uh, and that's what used to drive me crazy about the uh, the Xfinity series and and the Truck series, is that there would be ten laps to go and it was like a college basketball game, right. yeah. where the last ten laps takes an hour and a half because it was just caution mm-hmm. after caution after red flag after caution after caution, and uh, and now the Cup series is starting to get the same way because you have those drivers who drove like that working their way up. Right, and then you know and nobody nobody says anything about it. Drivers don't police themselves. Teams don't police themselves, and NASCAR doesn't police themselves. I know, I know. It's frustrating. It is frustrating, but um, you know, heck of a win for for your boy last week. Uh, oh, I, I'm sure you were thrilled. Uh, um, but you I'm know, at the age where I don't throw the remote. Ten years ago, though, that remote would have been against a wall. Yeah, I was just so disgusted to see him get a, get a win like that i mean it's one thing you know dw was at the end of his career and he got a couple of cheap wins when he was running that uh 17 car with uh silver who the hell is sponsoring that parts auto parts store western auto it's kind of a cool car remember that mm-hmm. and uh 
he got he he lucked in the two or three wins on gas mileage but you had some with that you were like is he gonna make it is he not gonna make it right you, know, you, you see these at tracks like michigan and that so there's some drama there and then you know of course we had it with you know with um pocono too with, with, with busher but i mean with, with when, when when dw was doing it okay you had some different strategies and that 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 i don't mind because you're trying something different you're trying to you know okay steal one in that but you know to win like that and then to have a teammate man if i blaney i would have threw my helmet so hard against the transporter when i got back i would have been so mad oh yeah i know, you know windsor is at such a premium and it, you know he's on a good team he's got that going for him but then you know of all people logano Kasowski, maybe all right but logano you just got it you know well and then with logano you know it was a miscommunication you know because the crew chief wanted him to pit and right. uh and he didn't pit he stays out and he wins a race or did he well you know they they said it kind of both right. ways in the in the post race interview. Right. I take it where it was a miscommunication and they looked into it because I don't want to give them any credit because I hate them too. But um, you know it uh, it it was disappointing, and it was such a buzzkill because I know that we you know you watched the fight the night before, uh, Wilder and Fury, yeah. and that was one hell of a brawl. You know, Fury killed him. Boxing has been in such. In such the doldrums, and it it's been just well the heavyweight division. the heavyweight division especially and MMA is just kicking its butt, but that was so compelling, and then the personality of Fury and everything. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about him because I've been I used to follow boxing. You know, we were talking about this, uh, you know, at work and uh, other places. You know, boxing one of those you get a bunch of guys together. That's when it's the best. You get four or five guys together. You know, watch boxing it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. watching it alone is not much but I, I actually enjoyed it i thought it was pretty cool it was a, a good match and you know like that, that personality i mean you got him and then you got joey logano right come on oh i know you know you got him singing and and you doing know, karaoke else. in front oh, of the entire uh mgm was, grand and it was awesome a lot of the nascar drivers <clears throat> austin dillon mr personality a lot of those guys could take a uh, a big time hint from uh, Tyson Fury because you know you want to sit there. Not only was the post fight and everything that happened in the ring supremely entertaining, he made himself just a ton of money going forward sure. because of his personality. You know, he's going to be more marketable. He's going to sit there and draw more fans to all the, all the fights he's got coming up and everything like that. And, um, you know, if there was a guy like that in the NASCAR garage, and it doesn't seem like there is one since, you know, Tony Stewart's retired and, and stuff like that. Yeah, both fighters gave a very good accounting of themselves. Yeah, you, you know, know Wilder kinda, got his ass kicked. He did, but, I mean, he gave a good accounting of himself after the fight, too. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to go and continue to box and whatnot, and they literally threw in the towel. And uh, But, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, too bad you lost. But you're like, you know, he's not a, you know, he, he, he seemed like a good guy, a guy you could get behind too. So Absolutely, even though he's come out with 100 different excuses why he lost in no. this last week. But, uh, you mean, know. The guy's six foot, what, nine? Oh, I know, he's huge. Yeah. No, the guy's just 
He's huge. He's a monster. Yeah. You know, this is because uh, I'm I'm actually going out tonight. This is the first night, like weekend Saturday night, that I've gone out that it hasn't been to a concert in forever. Wow. So I I, I kind of feel like a kid again, Steve. Better wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, I ain't worried about that. Wash your hands. Oh, uh, just just keep what. Just keep washing them all night long, <laughs> perpetually washing them. Yeah, I'll just, you know, I, I'll i carry a 55-gallon drum of hand sanitizer with me. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in dental, and we, we also have a medical side uh, for supplies and that, merchandise and whatnot. Everything's just flying off the shelves. Oh, I bet. I mean, masks, all, all everything is just... It's crazy. You guys got to be making a ton. You're the one, uh, the one company well, no, well, on, in the stock market that's what going happens, up. What happens with situations like that? There's, there's uh, programs in place where it, it, everything kind of gets triaged. So you got to make sure the hospitals are on the top of the list. Okay. And there's like a trickle down. So you got your hospitals, then it goes down to clinics, and then it goes down to like doctors' offices and whatnot. And then on the bottom, of course, would be your dentists you know <laughs> let's be honest you know i mean but yeah it's just very interesting how yeah this is a pretty 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 big deal and uh you know we've, we've had this before and the, the best thing is just education and as we've seen in the past with a lot of these let's be honest you know the high, high hygiene across the world is not the same and uh, and you hear these doctors going on online the best thing you can do is keep washing your hands keep yourself clean don't touch your eyes and stuff like that and now that goes a really, really long way to doing it and not necessarily just wearing a mask. And wearing a mask is not going to really do much unless you're sick. If you're sick, wear a mask. Right. But if you're not sick, you don't have to wear a mask. It's actually probably drawing more stuff into you. And if you're healthy, if you're like 20 to 50 in good health, you really have not, well, that, yeah, nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's the thing. If you, if, if you would get this coronavirus, what they do is they, they, they support the systems that it affects most, which is your breathing and stuff and that. And it's uh it's got a what one one to two percent fatality rate, and those are always your unfortunately the people that are at risk for everything else too. Immuno, yeah, immuno and and the elderly and the very young too. So yeah, yeah, it's not a big the flu has killed far more people this year than coronavirus. Of course, yeah, of course. So like that's your public health uh, message. I ain't worried about it. But uh, uh, from we, the final inspection show today, got Xfinity qualifying going on now. Um, right now, uh, Ross Chastain is, uh, is sitting in, uh, on the pole, but, um, a lot of, a lot of stuff to talk to. We're going to have Dennis Michelson coming up next. We're going to talk about last week in Vegas this week, uh, with, uh, California. And then, uh, we also have David Land coming on the show. We'll have three questions with Larry. Eddie Lapine will be on, uh, later too, talking about Amelia Island. That's, uh, coming on, coming up next week. Uh, one of the coolest events, uh. Out there, if you're a car guy, racing cars or street cars, everything. It's a pretty neat event. So, uh, And we're going to have a uh, Packer Combine report from yes, good old we're Mike Clemens. From Mike Clemens, yeah. So we're, we're hopefully he will call in. Get us, I watched a little bit of that last night, and uh, Jonathan Taylor did pretty good last night, didn't he? Yes, he did. Sub 4-4-40. Four, four, uh, for, for his size. And so, and, and the was, was it the guy from Alabama or something? Somebody was like 6-7, 360, ran a Five one, yeah. Do you realize how quick that is? Hell yeah, over three hundred and fifty pounds. Can you imagine that coming at you? That's four times faster than I can run. 
That's amazing. So, yeah, hopefully we'll talk to Mike Clemens coming up after this. Let's take a quick break. We'll have more coming up in the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Final inspection show. Steve's out to get along with Jeff Rolowski, the Polish Python. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson. Dennis, thank you for coming on. You are quite welcome, and thank you for having my proper uh, proper music to welcome me back because I am disturbed. Always. Absolutely, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, but, but Zaki, I was feeling fine this morning until you uh, sent me a text. Now I think I have your cold. Yeah, I know. It's just brutal. You you apparently didn't wash your hands before you sent the text message. <clears throat> no, actually, yeah. I, we have a typhoid Mary at work. I'm calling her out right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. We, yeah, we have a small office, life. and she came in and just must have exploded her DNA everywhere. Her, her, oh, what, are, what are those I, things, the little... Uh, the little things that attack. I saw. I posted a on my Facebook. I posted a really cool video about how that coronavirus works, but on how the, the little know. things attached to things inside your body and replicate themselves. I mean, it looks disgusting, yeah. but it's just a fact of life. You know, it's one of those things when you watch the National Geographic channel and they they you know take a a shot of your skin and you have all these little invisible bugs crawling on you all the time that eat the dead skin and that kind of stuff. Some, some things are better to not yeah. know actually. Oh, right. You know, it's just like, uh, who is that? The, uh, the government, the, the, um, the food, food and drug administration, they, you know, they, they, they allow a certain amount of, uh, debris in your food as long as it's just under a yeah. certain percentage. There's a lot oh, of secrets yeah. out dogs. there. That, yeah. Hot dogs could have so many bug parts in them. Right, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Right. You know, I figure, you know, what 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 won't kill you or what will kill you will make you stronger, whatever. Yeah, the the floor sweepings are really they add to the taste. You know. Uh, Dennis, to pit or not to pit? That is <laughs> oh, the question man. at Las Vegas. Yeah, track position is getting to be the theme. Again, this year, um, I mean, we even saw it at Daytona, you know, at a, at a, you know, quote unquote plate track, even though they're not technically right. restrictor plates the way they used to be, but you're still seeing track position and fuel mileage being what determines it because guys don't have enough horsepower to finish a pass and to get away from anybody. Um, and I'm not saying this to dump on NASCAR and say it's a lousy product. I'm just saying that it's a different product than what we used to see when guys used to be able to finish a pass and run away from somebody because they had a big power advantage. And on a particular day, if they really got the setup perfect, they had so much more speed than the other guy that they could break the draft or they could pull away and they could dominate a race. 
in today's NASCAR, that just is not possible, which means strategy is what it's all about. And it's the timing of the cautions, and it's just this, it, it's, it's like playing in a, you know, like a three-dimensional chess game. There's so many pieces in play and so many different strategies that can be played out, uh, which makes it a lot tougher for any one team to dominate. But the weird thing is, if you look at the number of races that come down to, you know, the luck of the draw of pit strategy or track position, look how many times Logano wins those races over the last couple of years. That team really has a, a knack for figuring these things out in the heat of the battle, which is, is pretty remarkable when you when you think about it. Right. Well, I, I just don't understand why you would pit in that you know, situation with, with so many cars on the lead lap. Uh, we, you know, Jeff and I were talking about in the previous segment. I just think with, uh, you know, with the way the, these races have been playing out for the last three, you know, two or three years, that usually, usually they don't make it to the checkered flag anyway. So just roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, the data says that the time differential for the tires should have mattered, but when you bunch them all back up again in restarts you quite often make those tires mad in traffic trying to get back to the, the single foul racing so you can then hunt guys down with better tires. So it's just kind of a weird way, a weird strategy that plays out in these, these races now. And even if the data suggests that new tires are faster, quite often they don't get to be used uh, because of traffic and you know the fact that clean air is still more valuable than new rubber. I got a kick out. I was watching NBC Sports uh, Network and, you know, watching the NASCAR channel. And AJ Allman Dinger goes, well, whether it was a mistake or not. I'm like, what, what do you mean whether it was? No, it was a mistake. You lost a race. Just say it. Don't say whether it was a mistake or not. Have an opinion, AJ. Come on. Yeah, that's the thing is it's, it's like so many times, you know, some of these old drivers that are on as, as you know, so-called analysts, are, or or even the the drivers themselves, are you know that are in the race, are almost afraid to stick their necks out and and be real vocal about it. Um, you know, it, it's just very weird. But it it has really come down to sort of this this fine line of of kind of outguessing the other guy because the other thing that came into play was not only pitting but how many guys and who didn't pit were were the keys. You know, it a few different guys from that contending pack come in, and that whole pack that came in is going to do much better. It's just a very there, – there's so many layers to this competition right now that come down to something other than speed of the race car because the speed of the cars is so even nowadays – especially as they remove power uh, at a track like, like Las Vegas. And, you know, it's still a track where it's kind of tough to, to make those passes, although the track did seem to come in a lot better than the last couple of years. We're actually able to see something resembling, a, you know, multiple grooves. Um, but, you know, at a track like California this week, throw everything back into the mix, including weather. You know, we could have a situation where weather could affect this. And if the weather comes at the wrong time, they're never going to get a two-mile track 
back and ready to run, and with an evil forecast for Monday as well, these guys could be racing to halfway tomorrow. Oh, really? I thought it never rains in oh, Southern yeah. California. Isn't that the song? The, yeah, that's the song, but obviously the song is not, uh, did not check with the uh, forensic meteorologists before uh, they wrote those uh, lyrics. It is a kind of an unusual time, though, of the year. It's kind of late for uh, Southern California to see the typical rains. Uh, usually that's something that, that ends a few weeks earlier, uh, which has always you know, been the time that they're drag racing up the road in Pomona. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting mix tomorrow because it's not one of those deals where it's, it's you know, guaranteed to be an all-day heavy rain that's going to rain you out. Uh, the showers will be there, but it's going to be very sporadic in that in you know inland empire of uh, of California near Fontana. So that adds another variable to the mix. And if they get the rain or not, it's going to be a much cooler day and more clouds tomorrow as well. And we've seen how finicky these cars can be nowadays, handling wise, with a difference of of uh, of handling. Of course, this is a race where they'll be. They'll be qualifying, and they won't be able to make any changes after today's qualifying. So uh, very interesting how that's all going to work out. It's uh, it, the rule package and the rules on individual weekends, and then the way the race you know, plays out with the caution end up being sort of more important than how fast your driver is nowadays in, in NASCAR. Yeah, well, don't mention the weather, Dennis. It seems like NASCAR has been cursed the last two, three years with uh, uh, prolonged and multiple, multiple weather delays every single season. So looking ahead to the race tomorrow in California, we all know the names with uh, with a lot of wins at, at Auto Club. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, you got uh, the Brothers Bush, uh, are both very good out uh, at Auto Club. Is there a couple other guys besides Jimmy and and the Bush brothers that uh, that you're really kind of keeping your eye on in tomorrow's race and expect them to do well? We know that Alex Bowman uh, paced both practices yesterday. Ryan Blaney led the 20-lap average, which is always important as well. Who, who are you keeping an eye on uh, for tomorrow? Yeah, I like the way the Fords were handling on older tires in practice. You had Blaney uh, that was strong even on, on one-lap speed, and so was Boyer. But they didn't seem to be falling off as much. But if you look at the at just the speed charts from yesterday, it was pretty even between all the makes, uh, which is interesting. I'm kind of wondering if it comes down to selection of, of racing line. And this track can be very, very finicky depending on the weather. Uh, you know, sometimes when it gets nice and hot and slick, that upper groove really comes in. And that would favor a guy maybe like a Kyle Larson who's, you know, likes to, to be on that high line. But I, I kind of like the Fords tomorrow. I, I think uh, specifically I'll take the Stuart Haas Fords. I would take uh, those guys and give you the rest of the field for tomorrow. That's how much I liked how they looked in practice yesterday. Well, that's interesting because I know in first practice, all four Stuart Haas, they were all in about the mid-20s, and then happy hour yep. came, and, uh, you know, Harvick cracked the top 10, Boyer, Amarola were up there as well. Cole Custer's kind of holding his own. 
So they definitely found some speed in between first practice and happy hour. Yeah, and they also, what they found was a lot of them went out very early in that uh, happy hour practice with a qualifying setup, and then they switched over. So the, the fast speeds you saw on the board were more reflective of what they might do in qualifying trim. And then the, uh, you know, but the qualifying trim difference is so little. But what we also saw was that they were also holding their speed quite well because later in the practice when they did some longer runs, that's when those, you know, 10-lap averages came in. And Blaney was still doing pretty good on those. So very interesting to see. um, You know, it's it's not – I think they do get to make some changes to the car between qualifying and, and after, but I, not many. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes. I think they can only make, like, tire pressure changes is about all they can do getting ready for tomorrow. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all weighs out. And I could get, be completely different on the rules, too, or wrong on the rules, because it seems like every year they change the rules on me. And every once in a while I'll get caught on a race where uh, I don't understand completely what they're trying to do. But – I don't feel bad of that because the commentators on TV often seem confused too. So I'm in good company there. Well, when I was watching some of the uh, talking heads on, uh, on TV uh, talk about NASCAR, which I really try not to do because I do not enjoy being spoon fed NASCAR propaganda, (laughs) but uh, watching uh, some of the shows this week, are we kind of jumping the gun on Jimmy Johnson with how well so far he's started the season and with the success that he's had at Auto Club. You know, a lot of people, oh, you know, the topics, oh, is uh, can anybody beat Jimmy Johnson this weekend? Oh, is Jimmy Johnson the man to beat? The guy hasn't won in what seems like, you know, three or four lifetimes. He had, you know, last year he was completely uncompetitive uh, obviously, the new Camaro is uh, is suiting uh, is driving really well, and Chevy has found more speed, and they they're doing a lot better this year. Even though, in an interview, Jimmy Johnson called it a Monte Carlo, uh, which uh, <laughs> takes you back a bunch of years as well. Are we jumping the gun and giving Jimmy a little bit too much premature credit here? No, I don't think so, but you're right. It's been a long time since he's been competitive. If you want to look at it, you know, it was all the way back to July of last year since he had his last top five finish in a cup race. So that's in a, you know, that's a long, long time in the career of Jimmy Johnson. Uh, then you look at the winless drought and it's even longer. But what I look at with what encourages me about what Jimmy Johnson is doing is not that Jimmy Johnson is so much getting better, but we're seeing William Byron's car better. We're seeing Alex Bowman racing better. And, of course, Chase Elliott's been doing fine no matter what the last you know couple of years. But we're starting to see the rest of the Hendrick camp doing better, uh, including some of the, the teams that are running their engine package are doing better as well, like Kyle Larson so, and Kurt Busch running really good uh, as well. So I look at those things and I look at the product that they're putting out on the track is getting better. And maybe it's that front nose on the Camaro this year, the slight tweaks. I mean, we're not talking major 
major rule changes on any of these cars. We're talking really minor tweaks. I mean, I remember when a manufacturer used to make a change and you were talking, you know, tens of pounds of difference of, of downforce, you know, 30, 40 pound difference difference in, in front downforce this year. Now there's just such a subtle change that, and it just seems like that subtle change is enough that it's even the playing field again for them. They were way behind as far as a, a group. Hendrick Motorsports was no longer in that top tier of teams. They might be back this year. And if they are, I wouldn't bet against Jimmy Johnson going out with one more strong year. All right. Very good. Thank you, Dennis. Coming up next, we'll talk about bounties. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Inspection Show, Steve Zatkin, along with Jeff Orlowski. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline once again, it is Dennis Michelson. Dennis, thank you for once again joining the show. And uh, I, I got to give credit to Kevin Harvick in that. He's, he's you know, bringing in some uh, publicity to the truck series, isn't he, by doing this bounty? Yeah, he really is. But what I'd like to see publicity-wise in the truck series is some regular driver in the truck series racing for a chance to win his bounty by beating Kyle Busch. Wouldn't that be even better than another cup guy? Yes. Someone. I, I mean, this is where the money's really needed. Right. You know, right now, right now it's about $140,000 a race to rent a top of the line truck to go truck racing. If you're going to spend that amount of money to win $100,000, I mean, I, that's sort of Washington, D.C. math there, you know, losing losing 40% of your of the dough, um, costing you 40% more roughly. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him put that bounty out and have Marcus Lemonis match it. If anybody could beat Kyle Busch in a race where Kyle is running – um, that's what really needs to be done. You know, let the, uh, let the truck regulars win some of that money. Yeah, I agree, Dennis. And also on the flip side, is this what we really want? Because all we've been doing for the last five years is bitching every time Kyle Bush is in the race. And then we wanted them to limit the cup drivers that can, uh, race in the lower series. So they limit it in the truck series, in the Xfinity series. Now all of a sudden we've got Kevin Harvick throwing a bounty out there and uh, and Kyle Larson and uh, who is a Chase Elliott have uh, have jumped on for Atlanta. And um, uh, the other track is escaping me right now, Kansas. But, um, you know, it's, is this what we want? We've been crying for, for years and years and years about let the, let the truck guys run the darn truck series, and now all of a sudden we're all clamoring for more cup drivers. Yeah, I don't get it. And here's the thing is we saw a classic example last week out at Las Vegas how little anybody cares 
about the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series for that regard. But the Xfinity Series was a classic example. They started their race one hour after the Cup race ended last week. That track was sold out. The grandstands were packed. There's a huge crowd in the infield. Did you see how many people stuck around to watch the free Xfinity race an hour later? About maybe, 12. Yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, it was incredible how quickly that place emptied, and you only had to wait an hour to see a race for free, and you didn't stick around. If that doesn't send up a red flag that NASCAR's development series, which is what the trucks and Xfinity have sort of morphed into, remember, the trucks used to be a home for guys like Joe Rutman, for Mike Skinner, for a lot of these, Jack Spray. You know, all of these classy racing veterans who couldn't afford to go cup racing or because of their age weren't attractive to cup owners could find a home in the truck series. And at that time, getting in a truck or, you know, costing, getting the money together to go truck racing was maybe 10, 15% of what it cost to go cup racing. Now it's it's at such an incredible amount of money that it takes to race in either the Xfinity or the Truck Series. You turn back the clock, and we couldn't see a Robbie Reiser and Matt Kenza's story of pooling their savings and you know getting on the old trailer and taking a trip down to North Carolina to race in a couple of Bush races back then. We never will see a story like that again. Because the cost of racing at those levels has gotten too expensive. You notice that Matt and Robbie didn't team up to come down and race a couple of cup races. They couldn't afford to do that. But they could afford to run Bush Grand National back then because the cost was like 30% of what it costs to run cup. Now it's closer to 85%. The only difference is you have to buy more tires to be at the cup level. That's about the only difference now between the cost of running cup versus Xfinity versus trucks. If you're just trying to get into the field, that is going to hurt those two series. And as we've seen, nobody cares. Nobody shows up to watch these races. The television ratings are minuscule compared to the cup. And I don't think any amount of cup racers or cup drivers Running for a bounty is going to change that. What we need to see are good young drivers battling cagey old veterans like we used to see back when the truck series was just starting out and racing at tracks that were a mile and less. That, to me, was a formula that made the truck series different, exciting, and now we've lost that, in my opinion. Very good, Dennis. I, I did want to circle back on De- on uh, Vegas. Uh, we I wanted to mention this in the last segment. Uh, Matt Matt Di Benedetto finished second at Vegas. I think with all the I don't want to say controversy, but with Logano kind of stealing that win and Bl- you know Blaney that was in position to that kind of got lost in the mix, didn't it? Oh, it did. And I'll tell you, after I put out my preseason power rankings. Over at FrontStretch.com, I caught a lot of grief. You know, oh, you're just putting De Benedetto in there because you either like the Wood Brothers or it's that feel-good story. 
uh-uh. I thought I, I thought he was one of the top 16 guys this year in the Cup Series, and I almost wanted to put him up in the top 12. That's how much I felt about that team and driver because they are using Penske equipment. You know, it's it's good equipment. And and now we saw, we saw a classic example that this guy could get it done on any size track. He's a tremendous talent. They got a good team. They got good equipment to start with. The, the Guido story might be one of the fun stories to chase this year. Uh, and he's also a really nice guy. And I think that comes off on TV, too. He's it does. He's likable. Very likable and humble guy, but a lot of talent. And uh, just... You know, it's it's like the the guy who's who's finally getting a chance after you know pitching in the minor leagues for twelve years, and now he finally comes up. It's like the Brewers, that catcher the Brewers had a few years ago. You know, that finally got a chance to to play after so many years in the minors, and he did pretty well down the stretch. That's the same kind of feel good story right. we're seeing with this, and it, and it's very enjoyable. Well, Dennis, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show. Who who do you like this weekend in the Cup Series at uh, California? You know, I, I was going to take Blaney. That was my my pick in the beginning, uh, and I think I'm going to stick with him. Uh, and my goodness, what a great Kobe Bryant paint scheme tribute that they put on the car this week. Very fitting for running out in California. He was fast. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Blaney. I I think he's got a good chance this week. Do you want to go out on a for an Xfinity one too? <laughs> Xfinity? I am no. I I'm gonna take Brandon Jones in the Xfinity. Good old number nineteen is is gonna be my pick. Brandon Jones, all hundred twenty pounds of him. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right, Dennis. Thank you so much and for coming on the show. Hopefully, I'll have a normal voice uh, next week. There you go. We can only hope. All right. Appreciate it, sir. That was Dennis Michelson. Yeah, joined us on a great Midwest Bank hotline. Is your passion outgrown your home? A great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up next, a segment that has taken Milwaukee radio but by a storm. It's three questions with Larry. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Inspection show, Steve Zotke, along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Orlowski of the Polish Pipe Bomb, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, all the way from downtown Pewaukee, it Ooh. is Larry Janicek. Larry, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Steve. Sorry to hear you're under the weather. Oh, I've been under weather for like nine days. Just won't won't I let know. go. I... It's just one of these things. It's part of living in Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. Well, so, I hope you get better quickly. Well, I think I, I've, I, you know, I, th- you know, every time I think I turn the corner, and then I, this, I just got this dry hacking cough. Now I'm trying to get rid of. I'm trying to just get my, well, uh, just you know, getting you know, 
feeling better type thing. You know, well, your voice sounds like you smoked about three packs of I cigarettes know, on like, the way in. Name? Remember the show Night Court with the Selma, oh, yeah. the Selma girl, right? <laughs> <clears throat> I love that show, Marky Post. And, yeah. uh, Underrated. Very. Marky Post was. She was hot. Yes. That's... Yeah. She was a looker. Mm-hmm. And Lara Kett, wasn't he the, the attorney or something yes. there? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And then he was in uh, Baba Black Sheep. And Black the Sheep judge Black. that uh, loved Mel Torme. So. Oh. Yes. That, uh, the Velvet that, Fog. One hell of a show. All right, Larry, you got three questions for uh, for the, the uh, soon-to-be-dead guy here? <clears throat> yep, I do. Okay, this first one is hypothetical. There's a good young driver. That's good in both open-wheel cars and in stock car-type cars. He's got a million dollars in sponsorship backing. What does that get him in open-wheel racing and or stock car racing? What can a guy with a a million dollars in uh, sponsorship uh, get for that kind of money? I'd have a heck of a lot. I mean, I don't (laughs) You know, it's, it's sad but true. You know, it's... It'll get them to a certain point. Uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, you get these dads who are trying to raise the next Jeff Gordon, they put the kids through uh, go-kart racing and get them in the late models and that. And you know, it does work occasionally. You have guys like Eric Jones and David Reagan, who was a funded driver for a while, then was eventually able to get away from that. But as the economics of racing is getting worse and worse, it was it first got into European racing. Formula One and and all that and in in Europe you ha- you know it was very common that you needed funds to get rides and that, and that helped. There's a lot of politics dating way way back, and then it kind of evolved its way into American open wheel racing, especially on the IndyCar side, even dating back to the 70s and into the 80s. And it's gotten worse and worse, and now and NASCAR would all say, well, we don't do that. In fact, there were so many drivers back in the 90s and 2000s especially from uh, the dirt track side, you know, USAC guys, World of Outlaws, they were all, everybody was getting a truck deal or or at that time a Bush racing deal. And, you know, a lot of drivers actually had opportunities to do both. Case in point is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson had backing of Chevrolet. And, they, you know, they, they asked him which way you want to go at this time. At this time. And that was just right when uh, the open wheel series broke up and, he wanted to kind of go open wheel racing, but he, you know, was the the path of least resistance, and definitely at green, greener grass at that time was it was NASCAR, and so I, I I don't know it it's kind of up to the up to the driver, you know how they want to do it. I mean there's there's places there's programs in play for that in open wheel, you know, with the Mazda Road to Indy and all that, and. And, and there's there's scholarships, racing scholarships and whatnot. So that's a really tough one, Larry. You know, there's no easy question. I mean, <laughs> even, I mean, look at what Rico, Rico, you know, when, when he got, a, you know, he, he to get, to kind of get on the, the map, he funded his way with Keith Coons and that was supposedly what, 600,000 for that one year. And that was for a full-time midget ride. So yeah, you know, a million bucks doesn't go as far as it used to. So you don't think you could get a, and this is like I said, hypothetical, uh, uh, an ARCA ride for the year or a part-time ARCA series uh, 
Well, we've seen them. Uh, you know, uh, chess buddy, Kaz Grala, there is one. <laughs> he was a guy, right? He was doing good in ARCA and that and yeah. funded driver. And, you know, the money once if the money runs out, then you're like him. He's Where is he today? He's on the outside looking mm -hmm. in. So, I mean, once those checks stop, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in the outside looking in. Doesn't get you very far anymore. You really you have know. to have, you have to be, have real, real special talents and uh, really to get we, noticed. Like someone like Eric Jones, Eric Jones is like the last one I can think of that kind of, you thought it was a, it was a funded ride and made it in the cup though on his merits. Yeah. We only got about two and a half minutes here, Lair. What's question number two, buddy. Okay, this week, uh, out of the blue, NASCAR posted the purse for tomorrow's cup race in California. To my knowledge, they haven't done that since uh, they went to the charter system. Right. Yeah, you have any thoughts as to why they might have done that? Because IndyCar, IndyCar is trying to raise their purses. It, it, they go back and forth doing this stuff. IndyCar does something, then NASCAR does something, IndyCar does something. So it's just like a, a chess match. It's good. It's good though. The purses need to go up in both series. Okay, I got one last quick one. If you got, if you got the yeah. time, there was two new inductees this week into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame: Janet Guthrie and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Were they both uh, both both well deserved? You know, the people go well. Janet Guthrie. Read her book. If read her book and see what actually she had to go through mm -hmm. to get where she was in racing, and making the Indianapolis 500 in 1977 was definitely a lot harder than it would be this year or in the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, it she she won the respect of a lot of drivers over the years, and if I've I've, I've been very luckily been able to spend some time with her and chat with her in that, and that is a one special woman, and. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, this, her life and what she was doing, whether it was learning to fly planes, uh, parachuting, you name it. I mean, she was uh, and an engineer, too, on top of that. So very, very, very neat, neat story there with Janet Guthrie. And then Dale Earnhardt Sr. is a no-brainer, especially when he won the, the, the second Brickyard 400 in uh, 1995. Yeah, I saw a couple of documentaries on Janet Guthrie. One hell of a trailblazer, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was I was more surprised by Dale Senior than by Janet Guthrie. Uh, I they... was surprised because uh, Jeff Gordon won five, and I don't know what the uh, parameters are for getting into that, but uh, I thought with just one win to go in and ahead of somebody that had five was kind of interesting but again i don't know the parameters yeah all right well larry thank you once again appreciate you coming on okay. looking forward to chatting with you next week sir okay get better all right thanks larry that was larry janicek and the great midwest bye bank bye. hotline has your passion outgrown your home a great midwest bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up next, we're going to talk to YouTube sensation David Land on the Final Inspection Show. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. 
This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, to Polish Pipe Bomb. Along with Steve Zaki, we go back right out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome in YouTube sensation, Mr. David Land. David, how are we doing today, boss? Ooh, I like when Jeff does the intro, YouTube sensation. That's, uh, that's <laughs> I'm trying to I save like my that. voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back a couple weeks now, uh, you know, one of the biggest stories in auto racing uh, so far in this very young NASCAR season was the crash and injuries that uh, that Ryan Newman suffered. And you had an awesome video um, on, you know, the style of racing and everything like that that NASCAR uh, is looking for and getting on these quote-unquote plate tracks. Uh, now that it's you're a couple weeks removed and, you know, we see that, you know, Newman is, is going to be okay. He's going to survive. He's walking. He uh, went back to the race shop uh, last or this week and, and all that. What uh, What's your take on, on everything now? Is it still the same as when you posted that great video uh, right after the race? Well, first of all, I'd like to certainly uh, say that I'm very happy that Ryan Newman uh, appears that he's going to be able to uh, to live his life uh, and, and get back into the cockpit. I think, you know, when we were sitting there Monday night, it, it looked like it was we were preparing for the worst. And so from that perspective, I'm just very happy. But, you know, I, I, I don't think my opinion has changed very much. I think the only thing that's really changed is that once again, and we've kind of seen this with Austin Dillon and a few other examples, is, is NASCAR has dodged another bullet. Many of the problems that led to the Ryan Newman crash and how severe it was uh, kind of comes from this style of – it's not even really the style of racing because I don't know if you can really ever change NASCAR super speedway racing um, because of the, the nature of the track. I mean, even if you took the restrictor plates off, I think they'd still probably run in a pack for most of the race. So you can't really change the nature of it. But what you can do is reduce the amount of chances that there are for a serious accident to take place. And my big problem with the Daytona 500 was it wasn't the Daytona 500. It was the Daytona 522. And the last lap of the race took place three or four times because they kept wrecking and because of the overtime rules, they kept extending the race down and on and on and on. They finally got their close finish, but it came at the price of Ryan Newman uh, ending up in the hospital. So that was my big problem with it. That's my big point of contention is I would like NASCAR to take a look at some of this stuff because they're going back to Daytona um, at the end of the year, right before the playoffs. That race is going to be insane. Um, There's going to be a lot of risks taken. And I just hope somebody doesn't get hurt there, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, I think that's one hell of a point, uh, and I'm I'm a thousand percent with you. If you have a race called the Daytona 500, 500 means it's 500 miles long. It doesn't mean that it's 500 miles and goes on forever until there's nobody left to drive. It means that it's 500 miles. The Coca-Cola 600 should end at 600 miles. It shouldn't be the 625. It shouldn't be the 608. It should be 
600 miles. That seems very elementary to uh, to an idiot like myself, David. Sure. And, you know, I and I've actually, you know, of all the gimmicks NASCAR has has kind of implemented, one of the ones that I for a while defended was the green white checker because I kind of understand that that NASCAR fans in particular, and this isn't a slam by any stretch of the imagination, but they want to see a green flag finish. And I totally understand that. I totally get that. Um, And in a lot of ways, I agree. I mean, it is a bummer when a race ends under the caution and you don't get to see, you know, the two or three guys who are running up front, you know, duel for the win when somebody in the back wrecks and they have to throw a yellow. That being said, I think what happened uh, on Monday a couple weeks ago kind of exposed some of the the issue with 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 running so many extra laps you know it's not just from a purity standpoint it's from a it's from a safety standpoint because you would assume you know most racing drivers they are going to lay it on the line on the last lap of the race and if you only have to do that once that's fine you know that's an acceptable risk in my opinion when you do it three or four or five times you know not only is it kind of dumb that the race is going on way longer than the scheduled distance but it also increases that risk factor and that's the big that's the big point of contention i have these days um but uh, of course like you said it also is a purity factor it's like denny hamlin's if they had called the race at 500 miles denny hamlin still would have (laughs) won you know that's the other funny thing about it there really nothing else changed outside of the fact that you sent a guy to the hospital and the margin of victory was closer yeah i agree i agree i think uh you know if you're gonna if you want to keep the overtime which i do because if you if you sit there and you invest, uh, especially like in a race like Daytona, you invest three hours, four hours plus watching this bad boy, and it's going to finish and say the last six laps are under caution. That sucks. So if you want to give it one shot, you know, at an overtime at the end, I'm fine with that. But to keep it going and going and going and going just seems absolutely ridiculous. So oh you know, yeah, no that well that's the thing I think. I think that's where you can look at an overtime. I think if you if you can manage, I mean, you shouldn't run the last six laps under caution. And we've even seen, like, if you compare IndyCar, they will throw a red flag, just bring everybody into the pits, clean everything up, and then go green, you know, send them out of the pits and go green the next time by, and tr- at least give an attempt to try to give the fans a green flag finish. And, but like you said, I think everybody's kind of establishing now that just constantly, you know, it, it shouldn't be on NASCAR to um, dictate whether a race finishes under green or not. I think the drivers really should be responsible for that. And that's where people should be, you know, upset or, or whatever, place their blame. If, if the drivers can't handle a two lap shootout without wrecking, you know, that's just the way it, the way it goes. I think, I think, I, I think a good compromise, like you said, would probably be just doing one overtime and, and just having that just, you know, whatever happens happens. Talking with David Landon, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Uh, David, you brought up an interesting uh, company on, on your on your last video called uh, Phase Clan, and that's that's regarding uh, online online racing. Correct in that? Can you kind of tell us how that fits into motorsports marketing, NASCAR, and and also then I guess with with the other uh, sanctioning bodies regarding are they going to try and get a racing game online racing game going? So believe it or not, uh, so there, there's a new partnership, um, and NASCAR's really been good about this the last uh, couple of months, couple of years, has been trying to expand into different markets. So they've uh, they're out, had an outreach to Barstool Sports, 
Uh, and now they're looking into the esports stuff. They've got their own iRacing series that's officially sanctioned uh, by them with uh, with iRacing. But they are actively reaching out to gaming companies and, and gaming organizations. And on Anthony Alfredo's uh, Xfinity car for um, Richard Childress this weekend, there's a sponsor called Phase Clan. And what Phase Clan is, believe it or not, it's not even anything related to racing as of yet. I don't, I don't even think they have a racing-centric esports team. Um, but they are like a gaming company, um, which was just essentially started on, on the Internet through YouTube and Facebook and, and kind of social media engagement. Uh, they're really – their kind of wheelhouse is like Call of Duty, Fortnite, uh, Halo, if you go back in the day, kind of first-person shooter uh, games – and they've just become very popular. Many of their, you know, top gamers on the Call of Duty scene are in that uh, organization. And so the idea, I guess, for NASCAR is if you can get these guys to come to the races, get them organized, get them uh, to make content at the races, you may be able to convert some people who are just, you know, Call of Duty gamers to maybe check out NASCAR Heat or check out iRacing or, or come to a race because one of the guys from FaZe Clan is going to be there. It's an interesting marketing strategy. I don't know how it's going to work out for them, but I think it's, I think it's worth a shot for sure. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And you, know, you just wonder when, when are we going to get another decent IndyCar racing game? It's been so many years now. I know, <laughs> I know we, we talked about the one that the, the, the Indianapolis Memories, one that, that you post some videos on, which, you know, I like. But, I mean, it, it's, it's a time. I, I, I think, with though, with Roger and – Penske involved in that. I think that is something we we, we probably will be seeing in the next uh, forty eight months. I, I certainly hope so. The, the big and this is really this is a sticking point for me because it's this is somewhere where I really and I'm starting to really hammer IndyCar on it. And I feel bad about I'm doing it, but they are really not engaging younger people in the way that they should be. Again, you look at Formula One with their Drive to Survive uh, Netflix series. You look at their YouTube channel. You look at NASCAR with extending their armed esports teams and Barstool and things like that. IndyCar is doing none of that. They don't even have a video game. Formula One and NASCAR have a video game. Heck, Tony Stewart's All-Star Spirit, uh, Circuit of Champions wing sprint car game or has a game. You know, it's, At this point, they're just not doing a good job just across the board at engaging – younger people. I think a video game, even though it's pretty late um, in terms of getting a major, major um, uh, bump from it, they probably should have done it around 2013, 2014 to really maximize uh, that industry. But I still think there's a huge potential gain that they're just kind of leaving on the table by not even pursuing uh, a video game. problem is you have IndyCars and iRacing or Forza or whatever, but they don't have all the tracks. They don't have all the drivers. You can't race against Alexander Rossi. You can't race against Colton Hurdy. You can't race against Scott Dixon. So you don't know, you know, if you're not uh, super up to date on the sport, you may not know any of these people, may not know any of the tracks, and uh, may not be engaged in the way you can be if you load up, you know, the Chinese Grand Prix on Formula One 2019 and run a full Grand Prix, and Lewis Hamilton kicks your butt, and you go, hey, that Lewis Hamilton guy's pretty good, and then you watch the race, and hey, maybe he becomes your favorite driver. Things like that, IndyCar is really lacking right now. And, and like you said, the last one, last game came out in 2009, and it was about the 60s. None of those drivers are racing anymore. <laughs> right. 
Uh, good stuff. Uh, let, let's take a quick break here because when we come back, we got a lot of news uh, happening in, in the world of IndyCar racing. We'll talk more with David Land coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. It's been a fun show. My voice is, I think I might make it, Jeff. It sounds like you're going to. Um, you know, you, you sound strong. You trying sound to, strong. Trying to pace it. You're manning up very well, I'm Steve. Just, I give you a lot of credit. I'm just happy that I'm not hacking on the air. Well, I'm glad you're not to, hacking on me. I had to, had to mute, mute the mic a couple times, but uh, so far so good. You're doing good, my friend. But it helps when you have fantastic guests. Yes, it does. Including uh, David Land. Welcome back to the show, sir. Yeah, I can do all the talking for you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> hope you hope you end up feeling better. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you're sick. Uh, just part of the, you know, as, as you know, it's part of life in the upper Midwest in uh, in uh, late fall and early spring. You know, just just it's part of the deal. Unfortunately, he's uh, just begging for sympathy. Don't play into it. <laughs> Hey, finally got some news, Fernando Alonso, and it it makes sense where he landed, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Fernando Alonso, McLaren. Uh, it's it's so funny because if you if you went into a coma for since the end of May and you woke up uh, right now and heard that announcement, you probably wouldn't have been surprised. But everything that's happened in between then. Uh, I think this is actually a little bit more surprising than, than on the surface it would look because this this saga has continued this entire year. You, you thought he was maybe going to Andretti, then he wasn't. There may have been something with Honda. What about Toyota? He had cut his contract with McLaren. Would McLaren take him back? Of course, McLaren uh, merged with Arrow, uh, 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 Schmidt-Peterson, so there was maybe a hang-up there. There were so many things that, that changed and happened between last May and this upcoming May, uh, to get to this point is just kind of funny. It's, it's all gone in a gigantic circle. Hopefully it doesn't end up with him going back on the trailer again, but it'll give us a lot to talk about uh, in the next couple of months, that's for sure. It certainly does, and I, 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 it does make sense that they would run the, the Indy uh, Grand Prix this time, especially after all the problems they had last year, doesn't it? Oh, God, I, I hope they do. I mean, they they had to have learned, right? I mean, it's and, 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 and to Alonso's credit, he, he specifically mentioned, uh, because he was asked by Lee Diffie on, a, I think it was a Sky Sports interview that was also aired on NBC, um, you know, w- would they consider doing the GP? And, and Fernando was pretty pretty adamant that, like, look, you know, the guys like Elio, uh, some of the bigger names who, who show up for just this race, they run the GP. And it's not to try to perform in the GP. It's to get that pit stop practice, do leak checks. You know, so many of the things that they had troubles with in last month of May, they probably would have found. I mean, they would have realized that they had the the tools wrong uh, in the wrong uh, Mm -hmm. country in the GP because they probably would have had to make adjustments and they would have gone, oh, this is completely wrong. What's the problem? Oh, we're using metric rather than imperial. Stuff like that they would have found if they'd run the GP. Now, obviously, the fact that McLaren has bought into an established team with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, that's going to help that process anyway. But still, you know, this is not going to be a full-time team that Alonso is going to be running for. This is an Indy 500 only team. He's going to have some great support. I have no doubt about that. But putting all those people together, I think it only benefits them to run at least one race. You know, if I were them, I'd probably be, you know, trying to make some plans to show up at St. Pete or Long Beach or whatever 
just to continue to get some of those reps in before you get to the April 30th test um, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and then you launch into the month of May, um, and then it becomes crunch time because you've only got a week of practice, and then you got two days of qualifying, and as we last year, you bet the car in the paint shop, the backup anyway, because uh, because every, no one is a slouch. Even if the, the you know the, the Hunkos Racing, they were not slouches. They had that backup car ready to go and ready to run 227 and a half miles an hour over four laps, and they bumped him out of the field. So you know if there's 35, 36, 37 cars there, none of them are going to be. I wouldn't count any of them out to get into the field, and you just can't operate that way. And speaking of getting jobs, uh, uh, James Hinchcliffe not only got one job, he got two jobs over the week. Yes, uh, he's gonna. So he's gonna run the Indianapolis 500 in an orange car number 29 for Andretti Autosport, which is pretty funny to think about, considering that that probably would have been um, Fernando Alonso's seat uh, mm-hmm. with a new sponsor, Genesis. He's also gonna run the Indy GT as well as the Texas Motor Speedway round because they are the title sponsor of that uh, as well. Uh, and again, you're seeing what really Fernando, the kind of model that Fernando should be following is that this is a, what, a sixth Andretti Autosport team. They're running the GP, they're getting those reps in, and they're getting prepared for the Indianapolis 500. And of course, James also, the, you know, at the races that he's not going to be actually racing at, he's going to be commentating in the pits for NBC. And I think they're also going to send him out to some IMSA races as well as the Brickyard 400. So we're going to get a lot. We're going to get to see a lot more of Hinch than I think uh, we kind of worried that we weren't going to get to see him after he kind of got unceremoniously dumped from uh, Schmidt's team last year. It's disgusting how good he is on TV. <laughs> <laughs> that that's true. I think it's Robin Miller that always says uh, Hinch is going to take their job. Oh, I know. So. He's he's an absolute natural, especially. I mean, I. I I was talking to somebody, and the, the Hinchcliffe Honda commercial came out last year. I said, you know, he's really a race car driver. She's like, really? I don't know. I'm trying to remember if it was here or somewhere else, but or whoever I was talking to, they were like, oh, I did. I thought he was like an actor. No, this guy's really an IndyCar driver. That's how good he is. Well, you know, there are so many drivers. You know, If you think, though, of, over the course of history, a guy like Hinchcliffe isn't totally unique. You, I mean, I'm sure your friend David Hobbs is a great example. Sure. Uh, you think of Tom Sneva or you think of Bobby Unser or Sam Posey. You know, a lot of these drivers have the gift of gab, and so <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to kind of see that the next generation hasn't lost that. And Hinch is definitely – I'll tell you what, too, though. If you watch that testing broadcast, Tony Kanaan was really good in the booth, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, entertaining, and informative, and I thought uh, I thought he did a great job too. So there may be uh, two uh, fairly current IndyCar drivers ending up on NBC very soon. Interesting. And then also, uh, I, I got to admit, I was skeptical when I heard of the the Citroen Buell deal. You know, with the new team and everything. You know, how many times have we heard these new teams come about at this time of the year, and then by you know May they're gone? But looks like they actually have a driver too, Spencer uh, Piggott, driving for them in a, in an alliance too. Yes, the alliance is with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Uh, so that's the third car that, that usually goes to Oriole, Serbia. Um, but I think Spencer is a good choice. He's raced for that team before. And, of course, if you – I mean, a lot of people forget he was on the front row last year with Ed Carpenter at the Indy 500. So he's not exactly a slouch. I think he got the raw end of the deal at Ed Carpenter. I think Ed had some sort of a deal um, 
kind of a handshake thing, and then Rena CK came by with a with a larger check, and and Spencer got bumped out. But I think uh, I think he could su- surprise some people, especially because if you look at how Ray Hall performed, not so much in qualifying last year, but in the race, uh, Graham Ray Hall was running up front until he and Bourdais got into it, and, and Takuma Sato finished third. So if you look at that team, uh, it, it's a sneaky team. It could be up there. Um, and a driver like Spencer Piggott has definitely proven that if you give him front-running equipment, he can run up front. So um, maybe there's a dark horse there. I'm also hearing Scott McLaughlin, the the, the, the the new driver. I want to say I shouldn't say new driver, but the, the kind of new flavor at Team Penske might be even running more races than just the Indy Grand Prix. Yeah, I think Marshall Pruitt reported that they were thinking about as many as eight races this year. So – it's escalating very quick. Yeah. You know, again, Roger Penske doesn't exactly do things in half measures, and he wasn't exactly looking at this, I don't think, as some sort of a fun uh, exercise. It's like, oh, hey, let's put our V8 supercar champion in, in a car. No, this is this was serious from day one, and it's pretty clear that once he performed at an adequate level that they felt, I mean, obviously he was third in the Circuit of the Americas test, um, and right in the middle, he was faster than Newgarden. So clearly the guy it has a knack for this, picked it up very quickly. And uh, I, I think a lot of people are, are starting to think that he's going to replace Simon Pagano next year, and, and possibly is going to head over to McLaren. That's, that seems to be what the scuttlebutt is right now. But we'll just, again, early days, but it certainly seems like Scott McLaughlin's here for the long haul. Uh, with... Going back to Spencer Piggott, uh, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, he was on the front row last year and all that. What do you think is a, a successful run in that car would be for him in the 500? Top 10. I think, I think if you're a one-off, uh, but you have a, a you know, a, a decent chance. If you're a one-off for a full-time team, I think you, I think if you look at a top 10, you're good. Because that's generally where Dryan Reinbold usually ends up. Uh, with JR or um, or Sage, and they don't run the full season. So I think if you look at a team that's only running the Indy 500 or running a select number of races, I think a win for you is you know a top five. And if you can get a top ten, you've had a really good day. So I think I think the goal probably for them would be a top ten. But I mean, nobody shows up there to finish second. I think they would love to get a win. But I think if you're looking at realistically, I think a car like that can get in the top ten. All right. Uh, well, we've got the uh, NASCARs out at Auto Club out in California, and uh, Xfinity Series runs today. Who uh, who do you like in the Xfinity Series today out in uh, out in California? Boy, Briscoe looked good last week, didn't he? Um, so you know, I, I'll, I'll take Briscoe. I'll take Briscoe in Xfinity. Um, Cup Cup's always difficult, isn't it? Uh, I'm gonna go. Hmm, let's go with Eric Jones. We'll throw throw a name out there. I like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Briscoe is too. Briscoe. He's going to roll off third today. Uh, so uh, qualifying just wrapped up for the Xfinity Series. You got Brandon Jones on the pole. Uh, Harrison Burton riding shotgun, and then uh, and then Briscoe in third. So uh, that uh, that's a good pick. 
there we go. <laughs> now, now watch, he's gonna he's gonna blow an engine in the first lap, and it'll it'll just completely make me look stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, at least uh, he'll be doing better than Suarez, who couldn't even make the start of the race uh, a week or two ago. So uh, you know, as long as it's on the first lap and he takes the green flag, he, he's doing okay. Yeah, we had a somewhat high-profile bump in the Daytona 500. That's the first time that's happened in quite a few years. Yeah, absolutely. That was a shocker, uh, especially, you know, Suarez, um, NASCAR won't admit it, but they definitely want him to be success, uh, successful. And uh, and you could see why, you know, they've he's got the his own little, you know, fan club that follows him all over the place. And, uh, you know, he's an entertaining guy. Um I, I I root for him, and uh, so they want him to succeed, and then that happened, and you just shook your head, and it was like, really? Come on, man. So yeah, that was that was an uphill battle for sure for Suarez. I mean, I I, I did feel bad for him, but but you know, it is nice every now and then uh, to, to to remember that hey, that the, the dual races actually might matter still. You know? That would be nice, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, they, uh, considering that, uh, you know, well, especially after the Bud Crash uh, race and how awful that was, uh, you know, the Sunday before the duels, that uh, that was that was pathetic. So, yeah, the duels uh, should, uh, they should mean more than they do. So that, um, I, you know, that, that's a good point. So uh, what about for Sunday's race with the big – oh, the big guys, you said Eric, Eric Jones. Jones. Eric, Eric Jones, Jones. Yep, got yeah. it on here. That's right, qualifying. <laughs> yeah, I jumped ahead there. <laughs> qualifying there gets underway in about a minute or two, so uh, we'll see where uh, where Jones uh, slots in here later. But, uh, but yeah, good picks, David. I, I like it. What's the latest uh, David Land on YouTube? Well, we just uploaded a video yesterday, like you said, uh, talking about this week in racing, everything that happened. Um, we're getting ready. Uh, about two weeks, I'll be heading to St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, I'll be covering the race at the track. Got my media credentials all sorted out, so that should be very exciting. Already working on some cool content there. And then I'll be staying the week in Florida, and we'll be at the 12 Hours of Sebring, the dual event with the World Endurance Championship, as well as, uh, of course, the IMSA cars. Uh, and just expect a lot of uh, crazy coverage from all that stuff. It should be should be a fun uh, week uh, full of racing to spend in Florida. And I hope some of your viewers will uh, or listeners will uh, will become my viewers and uh, spend it with me. Yeah, Fast Eddie will be down there too. Eddie Lapine, I'm going to have you two hook up down there. So it should be a good time. David, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate everything you do, man. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, that was David Landon, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. You don't need to be a YouTube sensation to use Great Midwest Bank. So, you know, just because your name doesn't happen to be David Land, you can still use them as well. Coming up next, hopefully we're going to be talking with Mike Clemens, talking some uh, combine stuff uh, from Indianapolis and uh, how that impacts the Green, Green Bay Packers coming up next. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki along with Jeff Orlowski. Mike Clemens will be joining us in a few minutes here. Meanwhile, Xfinity at California at Fontana. And, of course, uh, Brandon Jones, your poll winner in the Production Alliance, Production Alliance Group 300. Harrison Burton in, in the 20 cars will be starting second. Got Chase uh, Briscoe, Daniel Hemrick, Riley Herbst, and Ross Chastain in role number three. Austin Cindric, Ryan Sieg. Justin Haley and Justin Allgaier as your top 10. And, of course, it's also the return of Anthony Alfredo, one of the best names in NASCAR you got going out there. I just love that name, Anthony Alfredo, making his first start of the year. Of course, Brandon Jones uh, has been uh, finally got his first win in the Xfinity Series last year. And uh, it's kind of got a little bit of reputation, maybe trying a little bit too hard, wrecking a few cars here and there. But uh, it's certainly, uh, I think, it's simmered down over the second half of last year and uh, made it into their playoff uh, uh, playoff chase. And uh, I think he's uh, kind of turning the page a, a bit. You know, with some drivers, it takes a little bit further. One driver who's kind of been uh, kind of like the next guy who, who's ready to step up, I think, has been looking very good is Chase Briscoe, of course, in that 98 car. And uh, there are some... Uh, you know, some concern where whether he'd be even running this year full time in the Xfinity Series, and they able, uh, Ford was able to put the, together a package for him, and he is running. Of course, we're going to be talking to Mike Clemens here in just a moment. In fact, uh, joining us now on the Great Motorsports Big Hotline, it is Mike Clemens. Hey, Steve, Jeff, how you guys? Pretty good. How about you, sir? Pretty good. So a lot of I think the biggest news is the speed out of Jonathan Taylor yesterday. How surprised were the people down there with his uh, uh, 4.39 speed in the 40? Well, they said it was an impressive workout. Um, and it's funny because we talked to Jonathan earlier in the week, and uh, some of the national guys are saying, okay, so even though he you know, rushed for 2,000 yards three consecutive years, um, you know, the, the knock on him was wondering if he really had breakaway speed that could get him into the first or second round of the NFL draft as a running back. And so, and they said, you know, how, much, how fast do you think he can run? He says, I'm going to try and break that 4-4 mark. But in terms of this stuff about, you know, breakaway speed, he said, just watch the film. And there were some Jonathan Taylor fans that said, well, wow. I mean, that's, that's a new Jonathan Taylor because he's you know, always been so humble or anything. But, you know, Steve, he came to the combine with a purpose, you know, and so he runs a 4-3-7 last night pretty impressive open some eyes coaches scouts and even the analyst and one of the things i thought was interesting is is a lot of these guys and i don't know i've been doing this for years and it just occurred to me because people say what do you like most about the super bowl and i say that these players they've reached the mountaintop so they take a moment to open up and tell their stories and then i realized um boy we even get that more from these rookies at the combine because he doesn't have to answer to Wisconsin anymore, and he hasn't been hired by an NFL team. So these players are their own people, and they got some pretty interesting stories, like Jonathan Taylor from the Badgers saying, you know, when he grew up in Jersey, he watched a lot of Houston Texans football, and Arian Foster, their running back, he adopted his style. That influenced him the most as a kid. Mm-hmm. Arian thought- Foster was really smooth in and out his cuts for his size. So me being kind of – 
a bigger back uh, whatsoever, you know, making sure that when I play, I play smooth so that it looks natural. Um, and, and I thought it was just kind of like rhythm, poem, rhythm and poetry uh, in my eyes. Yeah, that was a good cut, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he, you know, ended up running a, you know, a great time like that, did well in the drills, and obviously, you know, he helped out his stock. What about, uh, what about, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about Packers need receivers, and um, I know that, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of good ones. It's supposed to be a very receiver-heavy draft this season what kind of way do you see green bay maybe leaning well uh i'll tell you jeff the thing that we were most impressed by is all these linebackers that they were talking to earlier in the week and and defensive players as well so um so i you know yeah do linebacker first we'll come back to receiver receiver is uh is something obviously that's on their needs but um it and it, you know i pointed this out to to Gary Ellerson last night, he said, yeah, but come on, man. He goes, just because you were able to talk to all these kids that one of the 45 the Packers talked to this week doesn't necessarily mean that's who's going to go in the first or second round of Green Bay. How many times in the years past under Ted Thompson and even under Brian Goodikins have we heard that, you know, the first or second round pick um, saying, yeah, I never even talked to I don't remember talking to the Packers. But, you know, they're doing their due diligence and talking to different guys because – if you ain't going to pick them, you may someday have to play against them. And, you know, the Combine is a great open door to get some intel on them. And, of course, one guy that's getting a lot of attention is Zach Bond, who grew up in West Bend and transferred to to uh, Brown Deer High School. And, you know, he was talking about he, he understands now that his next step in the NFL is it's more than just playing football. I mean, this is this is a business, and... Um, I'm trying to provide as much value to a team as, 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 as I can, and I know they're making an invest in, investment in me, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm sufficient in, in all aspects, whether that's knowledge of the game, ability to play, off-the-field stuff. You need to have every category to be exactly what a team's looking for. And the thing that I thought was most interesting is, again, these guys giving up their stories, like Zach Bond, who played quarterback at Brown Deer High School, and, you know, Billy Schmidt, Baby Tausch, said, I played against him when he played in high school. He said, you know, he was a, he's a beast physically. But he's moved from quarterback to linebacker, um, which, you know, makes him a pretty smart football player. But he also talked about his unique family situation growing up in West Bend before he transferred to Brown Deer High. Yeah, I mean, I have five other brothers and sisters. Was four. We recently added a new one through the adoption system. But um, just having that, that many brothers and sisters with a single mom, um, you really have to rely and, and, and trust and work together. So I feel like those values um, will continue with me th- forever. So one of the guys that we talked to uh, at this guy's was uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, who, uh, or no, it was, it was Patrick Queen. Now, some of the mock drafts have got him as the Packers' first-round pick at number 30. Played at LSU, national championship team, hybrid-type player, and uh, we asked him if he'd been interviewed by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Devin White, Deion Jones, uh, Quan Alexander, Wilpon Smith, those type of guys, uh, just trying to take every little piece, like I said, from those guys. Uh, everybody has a different part of their game that they uh, can highlight, and I try to get a little piece of them. Yeah, I mean, he talked about, you know, those are the guys that he's tried to model. He said, yeah, he's talked to the Packers, he's talked to the Raiders, 
several other teams, but, you know, this guy's a speedy hybrid linebacker that obviously, you know, the Packers feel that they need to do a better job of stopping the run. Um, uh, Tristan Wirfs is a guy that Patrick Queen also said, and, and Zach Bond from the Badgers, uh, the right tackle for Kirk Ferentz and Iowa, uh, just a beast. Um, this is a guy who can, uh, you know, lift 450 pounds. Um, he's six foot five. Had a nice time. I think he had a four eight seven. Six foot five, four eight seven in the wow. 40. Yeah, and and again, it's a, it's another one of these opportunities where these guys open up and they talk about their life. Tristan Wurst, this right tackle out of Iowa, he talked about what it was like growing up in a small town like Mount Vernon, Iowa. You know, growing up in Mount Vernon was really nice. You know, um, we lived in the trailer park with my grandma uh, up until kindergarten. Um, you know, then we moved into you know the house that my mom still lives in, and my grandma moved in with us. Um, you know, my mom was kind of like the rock of the family. You know, she did her best to to get to to all my events and my sister's events, and even when they overlapped. Um, you know, she's worked at Target for 28 years, so she's a pretty uh, pretty hardworking person. Uh, I think that's kind of you know I got I got my work ethic from her 100. percent You know, my sister's going to graduate in, in May, and she's going to go to Wartburg College to study psychology. You know, getting getting a I think the, my favorite part, you know, growing up in Mount Vernon was, you know, getting to play all four sports with my buddies, you know, going from sport to sport to sport all year long, you know, getting to compete with them. And, and it's nice, you know, you go from travel, you know, you got your travel baseball teams or whatever. And uh, when you're a kid and you get to know all their siblings, all their parents, you know, their parents and everything. So it's just a pretty, being part of a tight-knit community like that, it's pretty special. Pretty impressive story, right? I mean, the, the things that he overcame to to become a guy who could go will likely go in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Jeff, you mentioned about wide receivers. Uh, yeah, that's obviously a need for the Packers. Now, one of the things, too, that I have found interesting is that, you know, some of the guys were able to talk to uh, the agents that were um, in the building because they had their meeting Thursday. And, you know, ESPN, Rob from ESPN and, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and uh, even Sports Illustrated able to sit with, down with some of those agents. And so they're talking about, like, Austin Hooper, who's 26, uh, coming out of the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to be a free agent. He might be in play. And that the Packers have inquired with his agent about, you know, keep the phone open when we get to March 18th and free agency. So that would probably solve the problems at uh, tight end. I mean, uh, Jimmy Graham's going to be 33 and, you know, signed a $30 million deal that, you know, frankly, you know, he's come up short um, in these last three years. Uh, Joe Schobert, the uh, pride of Waukesha, former Badgers linebacker, uh, now working for the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be a free agent, and uh, the Packers are one of the teams that have lined up and talked to his agent as well. And so those are just some of the free agents that they may use to try and solve uh, some of their problems heading into 2020. Uh, and then there's guys that are in the draft. Now, Quentin Cephas... Quintez Cephas is the wide receiver out of the Badgers um, who, you know, was able to get that, you know, double not guilty um, verdict last summer and it saved his college career, had a big season. Um, he benched 23 times, 225 pounds as a six-foot wide receiver. Pretty amazing. Uh, and I asked him about, you know, when you get to the NFL now, if you're going to play for the 49ers or even Matt LaFleur, these receivers are, you know, you're supposed to be responsible for blocking for the running backs like Aaron Jones. Um, talk about, you know, your blocking downfield for Jonathan Taylor your last year at Wisconsin. Yes, sir. Uh, being a tough, competitive player in the run game and being a complete receiver, 
was something that I wanted to do, being at Wisconsin. Um, it was the reason I made my decision to go to Wisconsin because I knew it would challenge me to be a complete receiver, uh, to be a run blocker and be catch balls and make you know, help change Wisconsin's offense to give them down the field threats. Um, and, you know, in the run game, JT, we know he can get he can get to the second level really fast. Um, and being in position is key. Um, it can make a eight-yard gain, a 30-yard gain, or a touchdown. Um, so coach always emphasized that we're the difference um, in the run game, and we took that very seriously. And you know, that's definitely something that I want to do to separate myself at the next level, um, being a complete receiver. Was there something Paul Chris told you, told you in this past season, like, hey, you're there, you're, you know, nice job. Right. And did, you, did you lay somebody out that they played back on film? Right. Um, one time uh, Kendrick was uh, – Kendrick had a, a, rever- a end around uh, and against Michigan State, and um, I was able to get my block in. I put the guy on his back, and uh, that was something, you know th- – the O-line, like the O-line loves when they see receivers doing things like that, blocking and, you know, fighting hard when the ball is not in their hands. Um, you know, and that's how you really gain respect um, at that level, and uh, that's something that I really enjoyed. So Quintus Cephas, you know, uh, making some waves there. Unfortunately, though, yeah, I think what turned out to be the slowest time of the wide receivers in the 40-yard dash. And then we got to talk to Mike McCarthy. It was great to touch base with him. Uh, he's so excited to be back into the saddle with the Dallas Cowboys, but he's walking into a team that's got 25 free agents, including the quarterback, Dak Prescott, and Cowboys owner Jerry Jones talked about where they are in contract talks with their quarterback. This is a deal that uh, uh, ultimately I have to do. When I say do, I have to sign the check. It's got to fit. It just has to fit, and it has to fit a lot of things. And uh, for me, this is not about Dak. It's about uh, the team and about how to win. And that's not being uh, in any way negative, I think, the world of Dak. But uh, it's about the team, and uh, if, it's, um, if it doesn't feel right, it won't happen. And then Jerry's got to decide about weapons for Dak Prescott, like Randall Cobb. Will he come back and be rejoined with Mike McCarthy, Mari Cooper? And he was asked, you know, Des Bryant's on the beach and in shape. Would the Cowboys bring Des Bryant back to Dallas? I have not talked to Des directly. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. I have been. <laughs> I have been. I'm not dismissing it. I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound like it should be dismissed by saying that. Right. I'm thinking about it. Steve, he's thinking about him in the shower. That's <laughs> ironic because I've been thinking about Jerry Jones in the shower. So I guess it, oh, it's a big circle, isn't it, Jeff? Scary. Very scary. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on. Were you able to get down to St. Elmo's when you were down in Indianapolis? I did not. I, you know why? Because if you don't book before you get down there, yeah. you know, forget about it because it's booked for the you, There's plenty of coaches and GMs in there having the shrimp cocktail and the steaks, but we had we had a couple of good meals down there. All you got to do is show up and say, hey, I'm Clem Dog. Yeah. I, I want a table for 10, <laughs> yeah. but it's just me. I like elbow room. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Tell Goody to move over. I'm getting my steak. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining the show, and uh, good stuff as always. Uh, fantastic. Love hearing it, and just next stop is the draft, isn't it, for you? It is. Thanks, guys. All right. M- Mike Clemens on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. He's always fantastic. He is. Love the coverage from Clem. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. 
Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up next from RacingNation.com, Fast Eddie Lapine on the Final Inspection Show. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com, it is Eddie Lapine. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, it's the 25th annual Amelia Island Concourse, which is just north of, Telda, just north of Jacksonville, Florida. Really, really cool event. Probably one of the top concours on the East Coast. This And this year it's pretty special because they're going to be honoring a guy who's been in the news a lot lately, and that is Roger Penske. And, uh, of course, what is Roger Penske known for? And that's winning a lot of Indianapolis uh, 500s. And I guess they're going to have five Indianapolis 500 winning cars at the Amelia Island Concourse, as well as a few others. And, uh, of course, one of my, my, my favorite one, of course, is the, the first one. And that's the 72 uh, M16B Offy that was driven by uh, the late Mark Donahue. And, uh, Eddie, uh, when you think of Penske and Amelia, it's certainly going to be pretty special this year, isn't it? Well, I mean... A couple minutes, but uh, I could take a half hour just saying how big a deal this is going to be uh, for Bill Warner and his whole cast of people that uh, this this Concord was rated the best in the world a couple years ago by the international uh, media and every everybody involved. And Bill Warner has taken it to a new level. Uh, there's going to be so many people there uh, that were associated with Roger. Um, Bobby Unzer is going to be there. Just uh, you know, Unz, uh, Al Jr. Um, there's just going to be so many people involved with Penske organization. Thirty cars that Penske has raced over the years, and what better person to honor? Um, finally, to nail him down because it's not a race weekend. They literally sure. moved the show up a week because uh, it's normally the same weekend as St. Pete Grand Prix. And for this to happen, I think it's just going to be an incredible. This will be my fifth, 16th or 17th Amelia Island. And I think Bill Warner is just going to make this just a memorable one, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I got a buddy of mine who's uh, helping out a. Uh... Uh, or uh, he's actually rebuilding uh, uh, and getting it ready for the concourse, a 1968 Eagle Chevrolet. That was the first IndyCar driven by Mark Donahue, and that, that car will be uh, at the event too. So, I mean, they're actually on right, – right now they're actually working on the car, getting it, doing the final preps on it, putting the engine in, doing all the suspension components and whatnot. So uh, they're thrashing on that to get that down there. That's one of the, the well, very and, pretty cars too. One of your buddies is going to be there. He's making the track. I talked to him the other day on the phone. Was uh, a, a man by the name of George Fomer. I called him on his birthday. Excellent. And he answered the he he answered the phone. What the hell do you want? <laughs> and and uh, uh, I he just I eighty six. Yep. And uh, he told me he was never going to make the track. Uh, to the East Coast again. He's just, you know, his travel days are over with, but he said this is one that he's coming to, and what better person to sure. to be there is uh, 
Mr. Fulmer himself talking about the 917 Porsche, one of the most famous and iconic cars uh, in the Penske stable. Yeah, and uh, that's, of course, the Amelia Island Concourse, uh, 25th annual annual Amelia Concourse next week. Uh, you can look them up online at ameliaconcourse.org uh, for ticket information, and that it's a much must-attend event. And you can also follow it online, too. There will be, happening, there'll be things you'll be able to follow it all weekend long on Facebook Live and all sorts of stuff uh, that if you're not able to make it, you can follow it along. So it should be a neat event. Uh, switching gears back to NASCAR, uh, Eddie, let's do our picks uh, for uh, Cal Fontana. What do you got in the Xfinity Series? Uh, Briscoe. Briscoe, I like that pick. And then uh, Cup, what do you think? I, I got to go with uh, – I've been tossing this one up, but I, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. I think he's going to break Kyle out Bush. here. All right, Jeff, what do you like? Uh, in the uh, Xfinity Series, I'll take Cindric. Uh, for the big boys, give me Di Benedetto. Matt Di Benedetto, I like that. I'm going to go with uh, Brad Keselowski in the Cup Series, and I'm going to go chalk with the Xfinity Series with Chase Briscoe. Eddie, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You joined in the show. i also like to thank David Land and Dennis Michelson and Larry Janicek for joining the show and my voice for making it the entire two hours. And let's not forget Mike Clemens for all that good stuff from the uh, Combine in Indianapolis. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.